The Blindside Podcast is not associated or affiliated with my current employers and is voluntarily recorded and produced on my own time. This is Blind Meadow Gamer and you're listening to another episode of the Blindside Podcast. Available on Spotify and all podcasting platforms with the exclusion of Apple and Stitcher. Be sure to follow so you will not miss a single episode. Yo, what is up everybody? Blind Metal Gamer here along with Kyra Super Saiyan. How you doing, Kyra? Doing good, Tim. Good to be back. It's time for another episode of the Blindside Podcast. In tonight's episode, we're going to be discussing the importance of video game accessibility we're going to give them a little bit of history and then discuss how this can be achieved for future titles. So if there are any developers out there that are wondering about this, you can use this podcast as um, a way to get some ideas to improve your accessibility for your games that are upcoming uh, or maybe improve existing accessibility. Isn't that right, Kyra? Right. And this is going to be a fun topic because um, White here is the more experienced of the two of us in accessibility in video games, but I have actually delved into it a little bit back when I studied game design, when I thought I could succeed at it. All right. Uh, Would you like to give a little bit of history of your experiences and maybe some history of games you played that didn't have that great accessibility? Okay, so here's a good example. Um, I started as a PC slash handheld gamer um, with a little bit of console thrown in, depending on which parent's house I was at. And uh, I remember one day I just toyed around with the settings in this awesome computer game called Zuma's Revenge, which I still have a copy of on my Windows PC, my gaming Mm -hmm. laptop. And uh, the the first time I ever came across any form of accessibility whatsoever in a video game was this cool setting called Colorblind Assist in Zuma's Revenge. With a simple toggle switch, you could, all the texture mapping on the on the color on the balls you're shooting you're shooting at in the game became a limp became eliminated and were replaced with the with these gray blurs so that you could actually see what you were doing it made it easier for colorblind people to distinguish what they were shooting at as for games that i played without accessibility Honestly, that's pretty much every game I grew up with. Because I grew up playing racing games, simulations, platformers, you know, that kind of stuff. And you had to have special... Back in those days, you had to have special equipment or mods just so you could have accessibility in your games. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember that very, very well. Um, Personally speaking, uh, from my experiences, I remember... Back in the day when there was no accessibility. I remember that too. And I would be raging on this because, you know, come on, make your game accessible. Exactly. You know, make it an accessible experience. And Um, this is coming from someone who had to use cheats on, who had to use cheats on pretty much every game they played just because as we discussed in a previous podcast, your girl Kyra. She's terrible video games. Game overing on Crash Bandicoot one, y'all bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember. I'm. Hey, I'm guilty of having to use cheats too. I mean, I remember um, cheats is what got me through CTR Night. Is what got me through the original Crash Team Racing, except for that one track that had the stupid triple jump, and I would fail that track every time, and would have to restart the console and start over without the cheats turned on. <laughs> I remember um, as far as uh, accessibility and history, I mean, I remember for years, and you can even relate to this too, Kyra, Mm -hmm. we didn't have accessibility. That didn't come into play until, what, 2016? They didn't start talking about it? Uh, I'd say the 2010s, because I remember when I would go to game design conferences that my my alma mater would host – we would talk about accessibility in video games, but the first time, but when I was told that, you, that there were ways that a person with a limb disorder could play video games, I was a, I was shocked. I'm like, you mean to tell me you can manipulate the hardware so somebody with a physical deformity can play video games? That, 
the most amazing thing I've ever heard. All it takes is all for, for a lot of people, all it takes is a simple hardware manipulation and anyone in the world can play a game. For some people, it's a software manipulation, a coding manipulation. If people yep. would just sit down and brainstorm with, with people who have a basic disability, not an intellectual disability or, or mental retardation, we could get a lot done in gaming. Well, now I'm going to spice things up a little bit. Mm -hmm. You said a basic disability, not an intellectual one. Mm -hmm. Now, what if that person with an intellectual disability had something to contribute? Let's say, um, you know, because I do know of some people. Oh, I with, do too, but I just, I, I just don't, I just, I, I, there's a lot of logic that goes into making video games. I'm just not sure. Right. But if they're looking at, okay, let's say this, let's say, for example, I'll give a good one, Mortal Kombat 1, mm -hmm. a very good example, just released last uh, Tuesday, it'll be releasing uh, the 19th, mm -hmm. uh, and it'll probably be out as of the uh, release of this podcast, but the accessibility uh -huh. in that game, let's look yeah. at that, for example, screen yeah. reader support right off the bat, you got alternate controls, easy button and easy move inputs. Yeah, um, I'm not saying that intellectually disabled people should be excluded from this. I'm just saying, I'm just saying you need, I'm just saying, look at somebody who has studied multiple disabilities or someone who has oh. a disability. I'm not saying exclude intellectually disabled people for gaming. No, I'm no, saying, no, no, no. I am gotcha. saying get the input from a person who has a disability and who knows knowledge about disability. Intellectually disabled people are important because you and I both know someone who is intellectually disabled. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying exclude them from gaming. I'm saying it's easier to get input from somebody who has a who has a knowledge. Who has yes, someone who doesn't have an intellectual disability. Oh, I got you. What you're saying? No, now. you no, you misunderstood what I said. I'm not. When I say it like that, I mean someone with an intellectual disability may not have the capacity to give input because it's this. The severity of it is because per, be, because programming a game it require actually just making a game in any sense, whether it's hardware, software, or coding, requires a lot of thinking and. You know, it, it may make me sound ableist, but I you got to remember I'm thinking from a logical and intellectual point of view. Right, right, right. Um, and, you know, and, and it does take all those things. Um, now, what I'm, you know, again, as a gamer, what I'm seeing as far as accessibility improvements, you know what really got me into it? What? The Last of Us Part Two. Yeah. What really got me into it was The Sims. And I would probably say The Sim, The Sims 2 probably did because all of a sudden... Because you know the original Sims, you only had you only had three you only had really two options: adult and child. Sims two, you had five different life stages that you could customize. Going to Sims four now, you can't just customize. You can do more than customize age. You can actually add physical disabilities like a like a hearing in, like a hearing aid or or physical scars or pronouns or gender customizations wow. honestly we're getting to the point where the fine line between disability and 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 non-disabled is it's is getting blurred. blurred in a video okay. game and i think it's wonderful so let me ask you this i was talking about the last of us part two just how it got me into the accessibility aspect it what it did was it opened my eyes to Hey, this can be done from a gamer's mm -hmm. perspective. Exactly. You know, it can. These developers can do it, and then yeah. the PS5 comes out. Mm -hmm. Okay, it has a built-in screen reader right out of the box. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and I'm pretty sure, and you can elaborate on this. For those developers to put screen readers in their games, they have to code it in. If I'm yeah. not mistaken, it's so it's not so they can't just like flip a switch and say here it is boom no if if they could just imagine they could make every single one of their games exactly but yeah. unfortunately it's not the case now now that we've got you know and i i one game i played moving back to a the went without accessibility and i would use cheats turok mm -hmm. 2 yeah now, now 
one thing I would like to see, I would like to see, especially with PC games, is there are so many PC games out there that require keyboard and mouse input. I would like it to where you could use, like, to, I would like it to where you could just use your screen on your PC just to interact with the game. Because so many people, they can't interact with a keyboard and mouse like that. It's the same problem with controllers. If we could make it to where right. we use our voices, or I, I know there's a huge debate about AI right now, but if we could make it to where we could use sophisticated AI to in to to make it to where anyone can play a game, that would be phenomenal. Oh yeah. Um, now, Kyra, here recently, once again, that you played that had just over the top accessibility, just bukus of accessibility. At launch. At launch. Hmm. See, I haven't really delved into accessibility features because I'm like you. I mean, because I don't have a specific physical impairment that allows me. I mean, that that not allows me. That wrong word. That requires me to need stuff like a screen reader or, or controls like that. But, <clears throat> you know, I've heard you have talked, Reese, you've talked in depth about games that have a lot of accessibility built in from launch. And so I like, I think it would be good if you talked about those kind of games. All right. Well, uh, like I said, what really got me into it was The Last of Us Part Two. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine, by the way, shout out to the beautiful and vivacious Denver Queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's awesome. And we, you know, might be able to maybe uh, have her on the podcast again at some point. Maybe. We don't know. She's got uh, other non podcast related stuff going on at the moment mm-hmm. but you know uh, she told me hey the last of us part two is coming out and it's gonna have good accessibility and by the way shout out to super blind man he's awesome mm-hmm. he's awesome so is uh rattlehead blind fgc rattlehead they worked work uh they were accessibility consultants for mortal kombat one mm-hmm. so and super blind man mm-hmm. worked on the last of us part two and he might be working on other stuff. We don't know. Exactly. Because we, he can't, you know, them, you know, you don't know what they're up to. No. And when, when, when they announced that, that he was at the helm of that MK1, you know, that I, I just knew. Yeah. It was going to be, and The Last of Us Part 1, that remake. Yeah. Now. Again, you know, you just knew. Yeah. Now, what I, I think, I think on the flip side, I, what's a game you encountered recently that did not that frustrated the snot at you because it lacked accessibility? And I'm talking about in today's society where it's not as acceptable as it was. Okay. Now, not really. It didn't really frustrate me, but it inspired mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever heard of a game called Thymesia? We've talked about it. Off the podcast. I remember us having conversations um, about it. I like the gameplay in Taimicha. It's good. Mm-hmm. It, it's challenging, but good. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, you know, Souls-like and Bloodborne-like games mm-hmm. can be made accessible. You know, yeah. I get they want challenge. I get the, the hardcore Souls-like, and this applies to souls light games like Stray Blade mm-hmm. um, as well. Yeah. You know, there can be elements in there that can make them accessible. I did a very in-depth video on how to make a Souls-like and Souls-Lite game accessible for players with disabilities. Yeah. What features can be used. And if you would like, I'd like to maybe diatribe on that for a bit and explain in depth how this would work. Go and ahead. My, and these are all, this is all in my head, so. Go ahead. I mean, okay. that's the point of the topic today. Okay. Now, with well, a souls like, for those of you who don't know, it consists of challenging combat in a 3D environment. You explore the world, get lore, and these enemies are tough as nails. They will kick your butt in one shot, um, or two or three. Now you're wondering how can this be made accessible? Well, okay, let's say you explore the world and you need help with navigation, mm-hmm. navigational assistance. Yeah. Um, that's not going to interfere with the combat difficulty. Okay. Exactly. Now let's say you're walking and you come up upon, up on an enemy. Okay. It's got auto lock, which is great. That's good. 
But I think what they really need to do is maybe if the combat difficulty needs to be toned down for those that need it, mm-hmm. allow that to be a thing. Because I know a lot of Souls players get very uppity about the difficulty of the combat in their games. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's it would make it too easy. Now, Stray Blade does something about that. You can lower the combat difficulty in that game. Difficulty settings should be mandatory in games because there's people like us who who have trouble with who have trouble in 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 even the most basic games because it's not because I and take the and remember guys this is not related to my disability at all this is because I have lack of skill because skill um there are people like me who just you know have bad luck like my experience with Crash One if those developers would let us chow change the difficulty settles settings so that we could have a decent chance of being in the game i think that would be great but at the same time game developers would be like well how the heck are we supposed to challenge the players now this is really big for fromsoft i know they're notorious for you get what you get out of the box you know Beanox and uh activision are like that too and naughty mm. dog is infamous for now, it. naughty dog now hold on Naughty Dog, The Last of Us Part 2 and 1 allows you to change that combat difficulty. Hmm. They've come a long way then because they didn't do that with the Crash Trilogy. Right. Well, that was back then. Right. You know? right. Now, with the Souls-likes, okay, um, I remember a game called Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. Mm-hmm. There was a big debate on accessibility when that came out in 2018 because, mm-hmm. you know, the guy had one arm, so how can we make it accessible? That FromSoft was really adamant, oh, the difficulty doesn't need to be changed. Well, here's the thing. Combat difficulty wouldn't make it challenging. It would make it accessible. It wouldn't degrade the challenge. Right. It would make it accessible to someone. Like, okay, let's say like in Sekiro, you have to parry, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say you don't know. You can't parry that enemy. Right. On regular, you if, if they would allow you to maybe change the difficulty, which would slow the parry timing down to where someone with a motor disability could react, right? And get that, and then okay, what about blind and low vision players? Okay, audio cues, exactly, not, not just a cling of the sword, cling. I'm right. thinking like ding, and then maybe a different cue to let them know they succeeded. Yeah, um, I mean, right, right now, one of the most common. D- um, accessibility features we see in games is stuff like subtitles for the hearing impaired. That's a great start, but yeah, it is. They we don't take into consideration really though. People who are deaf are really the only people who are with disabilities who are taken into consideration with games, which stinks. We have people like you who are blind, and people who have physical impairments that need to be taken into consideration as well. Yes. Um... And, okay, navigational assistance. You're probably wondering, how would that work? Well, for example, in The Last of Us Part 1 and 2, as well as the Spider-Man games and God of War Ragnarok, mm-hmm. I just named several there with good Navi assist. Mm-hmm. Click the right stick or the left stick, and it points you where you need to go. Right. Or in the or in Star Wars Jedi Survivor, it does that too, in a general direction. And it gives you a ding audio cue. There you, you know? go. It's just simple tweaks. It's all it all comes down to now, at the end of the day. You're wondering, you're probably wondering out there, how can that assist a souls like or souls like? It would help tremendously. Because, it really, really would. Because a lot of those games have a lot of dark, bland environments. Yeah. And if you need that navy assist, you know, it's not hindering the game's challenge. No, you can still explore and still look around for lore and optional boss fights, exactly. Etc. But if you want to get back on the right path, use the assist. It's that's the, what it's there for. The point of accessibility in gaming is not to make the game easier or harder for somebody. It's to make it so where somebody who's not as able-bodied as we are can actually play and still have a fighting chance. Yes, and, you know, okay, now you're probably wondering, what about screen reader support in a Souls-like or a Souls-like? Now, that would really help, again, with all the lore, because not a lot of it is spoken. 
Yeah, but at the same time, that's getting into muddy waters because you know how creators get with floor. Yeah, but I'm thinking about it from an accessibility perspective. That's true. Not but the creator. Like, I'm not thinking of it from the mindset of, okay, he's, you know, going to be creating this thing. Right. The screen reader might spoil it. No, 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 no. That screen reader, it would, the, all these features, by the way, would be optional. Exactly. We them. don't want to bombard people with them if they don't want or need them. We just right. want to, we just want all we want is the for option. People, all we want is for people to go into settings with a few simple simple I said simple simple, simple switches. switches and be able to have what they need. We want the plethora for people like us. I mean, it, I mean, what, this all goes back to what I said earlier. It all it takes is going into settings and clicking a simple switch. If the programming makes it so, yep. let it be there. Yep. Now, again, you know, I'm not into coding. I've never coded. I have, and it's it's real. If you have the logic and the syntax down, it it won't even alter the game. It just makes alter the game's functionality. It just makes it easier for somebody else. Right, and that's what we're wanting is is better accessibility in video games. Yeah. I mean, another thing, The Last of Us Part 1, uh, Mortal Kombat 1, then mm -hmm. uh, upcoming Spider-Man 2, mm -hmm. all going to have is audio description in cutscenes. Yes, that is huge. Because for people like you, you don't always get to see what's going on. Right. And I can tell you from experience... That audio description has helped, you know, because with a lot of those fatal blows and in Mortal Kombat 1, I know what's going on now. The fatalities, yeah. same thing. And by the way, we need to uh, diverge a little bit and uh, cast some shame on a certain uh, three-lettered company, IGN. Oh, yes, IGN. You made, yeah, for those who don't know, IGN made fun of the audio description feature in Mortal Kombat 1. Mm-hmm. They made fun of it. They, said, they should know better. They are pro gamer, not the other way around. Yeah, and I, I remember what the thing, what the headline said: Blind and low, low vision players can now have fatalities and fatal blows hilariously narrated to them. Really? What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. No, and I'm I'm thinking again from a perspective of okay, what if there's a person with a cognitive disability? or an intellectual disability that needs that audio description. Exactly. We know people who, we know people who that could benefit. And for them to do that. Exactly. It's, it's infuriating. I cannot stand it when they treat us like we are infants because we need something that a neurotypical slash able-bodied person would not need. Right. And, you know, again, I'm not trying to be degrading, but that was a missed opportunity for IGN. So if you're, if anyone from IGN is watching or listening, you guys need to be the front runners in this. You guys need to be the leaders because yeah. this is an opportunity to help push accessibility in video games forward. Exactly. I mean, take e take EA for example. They could just be like, "Oh, we're all about the money. We're going to push everything." everything that you don't want on a game. But no, th because we have passionate people working on projects like The Sims, we have a glimpse into what disabilities look like in a simulation game. That is huge. Right, huge. and I'll give an example. I'm going to, hey, October 26th, six days after Spider-Man 2, baby, your boy mm -hmm. BMG is going to be uh, stepping into the cage with the A-Sports UFC 5. Nice. And it should have very good accessibility if they do it the right way. Yeah. We'll see. In, um, the, mean, in the meantime, though, if I want to see real real disability stuff, though, in, an, in a simulation, I, Sims 4 allows so much mods. I could, if, I, like, if I want to put a service dog in the Sims, I guarantee you there's a mod for that. And if there's not, somebody make one. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's insane what they allow. I mean, it's nuts. They uh, are allowing for just a lot of different things. Now, that's 
That being said, not all mods that are out there should be approved, but a good portion of them should. Yeah, not all mods are there for, but you know, if it's pertaining to accessibility or in your case, accessibility education, because you could use it for that too. Exactly. That's the fun. That's what I love about simulation games. They're so visual that all you need is a clear picture and you're educated about something. As long as people people take into consideration and research what that disability is actually like. Right. Now, as for back to accessibility, okay, we've covered Souls-like and Souls-like. You're probably wondering, what about a wrestling or an or a, or a, or a MMA game? Mm-hmm. Okay. Again, the screen reader can be applied to both. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, menu navigation, uh, character select, etc. Now, you're probably thinking, how in the world can, a, you know, audio cues be translated to fighter MMA games to determine how close or far your opponent is from you or you are from them? And, um, you know, again, audio cues for different strikes, different grapples, um, you know. And then um, easy uh, button inputs. That's another thing I didn't really cover on the Souls-like or light genres. Uh-huh. But it could apply to both. Easy button inputs for attacks, blocks. Yeah. Because, and no button cords. If you're wondering what a button cord is, it's where you have to push multiple, multiple buttons at the same time. Yeah. One game I knew that was notorious for this, and it frustrated me to no end, mm-hmm. way back in the day, Tekken 3. That brings me back to a game I used to play. Uh, as as you know, as of, oh gosh, I think 1996, we've had analog, mm-hmm. uh, not analog, joystick controls. on yeah, analog, analog. Analog, okay, I'm, I was right. Well, there was this game that came out in 1999 for the PlayStation called SpongeBob SquarePants Super Sponge. And you would think because it came out in 99, it would have analog controls. No, it wanted to be more of a traditional 2D platformer because it was a 2D platformer. You had to play that effing game without analog, and it made it so hard to play. I couldn't even get past the first level because it was so difficult. And I'm and you're and I'm like, oh my gosh, guys, just enable the analog. Make it easier for me to move. Please, please. Oh yeah, they were using those dreaded tank controls. Oh. The D-pad. Yes, you could only move the game with D-pad. And I'd sit there cussing at my TV at my dad's house. house turning the analog button on over and over and over again being like why won't this work why won't this work finally i had to pull out the disc case case uh for the game and i look at the back because the back lists whatever controls you need for your game Mm -hmm. because this was the playstation era back when analog shoot yeah back when uh analog controls were just starting up i remember that Technical difficulties, I'm sorry, back when analog, you know, was still optional and not mandatory in in consoles. Oh, yeah. And I looked at it, and I'm like, son of a bitch, it's a a non-analog game. I hate this. The one game series that I remember not having analog controls, Resident Evil 2, the Resident Evil series. Oh, that game's hard even for it. Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. I remember now... I remember I would master it. I would just, I just sat down and this is back in the day when I could just sit in front of a TV yeah, and just figure that stuff out. You know what I, I mean? remember when my, when my controller went out on my PS one before I finally had to trade it in for my PS two, the controller went out because it, it, the wires got crossed and I would lose mm-hmm. control of my cart when I was playing CTR. So I bought a PlayStation controller from a game shop. <coughs> Excuse me. It was a non, <coughs> gosh dang it, um, analog controller. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn, I had to teach myself how to play. Oh gosh, I'm having it. <coughs> okay, okay. I had to teach myself how to play Crash Team Racing with, <coughs> oh God, I'm going <coughs> to, with a D pad. Oh God, oh. I'm so sorry. All right, so, okay, again, accessibility. <coughs> I'm so sorry. Can you mute me? 
Don't worry, I got it. <laughs> oh, we're gonna have to edit this out. I am so sorry. It's wet. Oh. Let's just hope. I mean, well, we're talking about accessibility, so there you go. It's my body trying to chime in. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, I remember. I remember the N sixty four. Yeah. And I remember um, that was another introduction mm -hmm. of analog controls. Now, now you're probably wondering about wrestling games. And the uh, MMA games, how that could be accessible. Uh-huh. Well, they, you know, like I said, screen readers for the menus, uh, easy inputs for grapples, submissions, <laughs> strikes, stuff like that, audio <laughs> cues, the stuff we talked about for the Souls-like and Souls-like games. Yeah. There wouldn't really need to be a, a navigation assist because there's no exploring required. Yeah. And then uh, full-on... Again, full. Now, I'm not just talking screen readers for the menus. I'm uh -huh. talking full on menus, move lists, uh, tutorials, etc. Um. So, Kyra, do you uh, remember? Or do have you ever played any games, not The Sims, or any games here recently uh, that have very good accessibility right out the gate on your on your Switch? Uh -huh. Not in particular, but I can tell you every time. Oh, you know what, though? I did play the Cosmic Shake when it came out. Mm -hmm. And I played Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrate when it came out. Mm -hmm. Both those games went above and beyond by including subtitles in the dialect so that we could see what the characters were saying. Right. Was there any other accessibility features on those titles for Switch? There probably were. I'd have to go digging into the games for research just to answer that question. Because once again, I'm not the type that needs accessibility right, 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 right away. Right. With me, that that's one thing I look for. Now, I know a lot of uh, people, um, myself included, would love to see... You know how they have the ESRB for writing the games to help parents you know, and guardians determine what... Oh, yeah, and kids. sometimes ESRB doesn't always make the right call, simple, but most of the time they do. Right. There, sh there should be something similar for accessibility features. That way, when a person goes to buy a game, let's mm -hmm. say I wanted to buy a game off of uh, Amazon, uh -huh. just as an example, and I wanted to know what accessibility am I getting at the right at launch when I buy it. Mm -hmm. They should have a rating system for accessibility and let you know up front what you're going to get when you buy it. They could, honestly, they could probably expand the ESRB by including it in the ESRB. That way, everyone could mean, well, I actually know that. No, that might not work. But it was a good idea and thought, though. Well, maybe they could have, like, you know, rated M for mature mm -hmm. and playable by everyone or accessible you know something something oh yeah or know, we could switch to the or what we could do is we could switch to the piggy format which is used in europe yes the peggy i don't know the piggy yes and then we by using pg pg is used by age only not by general audiences and mm. then from there we could use a description on the back that says this game is intended for such and such Right, but what about the accessibility features? What about, let's say I picked up uh, UFC 5. That's what I meant, though. Like, what I'm saying is on the back, you could you you could specify this game is for these particular audiences under, under the ADA. Oh, and then it would list what accessibility features. It, okay, exactly, I get Exactly, because the front... Is only big enough for the title and the and the, the rating. B slash slash PG, but if you included that information on the back, where right. if you're gonna look at for the game features anyway, it's a whole new world. Right, and I don't think we need to switch to the PG. System. Well, maybe not, but at the but you know even if we do, but you know, but you know at the same time though. At the same time, though, the context of whether it's just because ESRB is a little 
broad, can be a little bit broad, whereas Peggy can be more precise. And I'm right. not saying we need to switch our rating system because we're American, not European, but that's just something to consider as well. Right. But, you know, I mean, that's very, very true. I mean, you know, you can have these accessibility features on the back mm -hmm. and then maybe on storefronts. I know that Sony is starting to include accessibility features on uh, for their games you know so that's a that that is a start right there yeah you can include them in the you can include them in the web and the online store description <clears throat> when you're reading about the game without even having to scroll to the reviews or anything right now one thing the playstation store has a lot like there was a game called bramble the mountain king it looked cool right right i look at the accessibility features mm -hmm. it does not have what i need am i gonna buy it no no See, yeah, and what I but see one thing I noticed though too, mm -hmm. a lot uh, not every developer is going to display those features. Right. But I think what they should do is you know make it where these these have to be a part of the release. Start you know that way. If it were a big enough push, we could get the entire industry, entertainment industry to to make to have it mandatory under the ADA. Yeah, it, it should be mandatory. It should be because. And I'm not just talking video games either at this point. I'm talking TV shows, films, oh, yeah. everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, to briefly diverge off topic, mm -hmm. um, Netflix has audio description. Right. Okay. Now, back to uh, screen readers. You know, another game I got with a screen reader, very good screen reader. Mm hmm. Diablo 4. We talked about that one off the podcast as well. Yep. And speaking of, I need to get back into that game too at some point. Yeah. But, there's, there's some games I need to get back into. You know, I'm just kind of... But the point being, it's accessible. Yeah. It's at the accessible end of the day, fully. you want an accessible game. Yes. And I think that what these developers need to do, and I noticed not all the developers are displaying their accessibility on the, the PS store mm -hmm. that might be because they haven't done so yet, or they might be NDA stuff. But I think what they should do before the game comes out mm -hmm. is just have that information available to the consumer. <laughs> that way they don't, you know, that way you can do that research and determine, okay, is this purchase going to be one that's going to be worth my money? Because I cannot tell you how many times I would buy a game, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, this looks pretty cool. This looks badass. And then I would be raging. I mean, raging. Screaming. I get it. Mm -hmm. I, I've had that happen to me. I've I've heard I've heard I've heard I would hear so many of these games are good. I I buy I buy them usually off mm -hmm. eBay so I'm not losing too much money. Get them right. home, test them out. They're unplayable because it's not accessible. That or they just don't meet my skill level, which is See? frustrating. Like, here's a good example. I bought a copy of an old GBA SpongeBob game. Mm -hmm. It was the first SpongeBob game in history, and the game was so bad. Not even the save system worked. The freaking save system. It was back. Remember when games used to have the passcode save system because there was no. Oh. God, I remember that. And it had that, mm. and I would write down the passcode and put it in the next day. It didn't remember any of my progress. I'm like, you friggin' game, what did you do to me? You probably I wouldn't get used, very far uh, in the game anyway, but it was so frustrating. You probably used other words that would probably deem this an explicit podcast. <laughs> hey, we I, I, I remember, um, thank God, back in the day, though, for video game rentals. Yes, that brings because me back to a place we've talked about in our podcast before, I, Movie you know, Warehouse. Yes, I remember, okay, I can rent it. If I don't like it, I don't got to buy it. I remember one time I had to rent a game. I rented a, I ran a Mario Party game, mm -hmm. and be and because some of the mini games had uh, had had uh, microphone capabilities um, built in, to my surprise, when I went to go check out the game, and they're like, and here's your microphone, miss. I'm like, microphone? And I go and play the game, and you have to blow into the microphone or sing into it or speak into it just so you can play the game. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty badass. Oh, yeah. But, you know, 
what we were talking about earlier. These mm-hmm. games can be made accessible. Exactly. They Any game be. can be made accessibility if you know what you're accessible if you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think they should make these games of all genres, you know. Um Forza Motorsport has blind drive assist. Yeah. So it can be done. I mean, if we can have games that can implement motion controls, which is now considered a failed standard, but that's for uh, that's a whole other topic. We can have games yeah. that are accessible to people with disabilities. Yes, we can. And, you know, it's up to these developers to get the ball rolling. So I do want to give a couple of shout outs. Naughty Dog. Um, I want to give a shout out to Sunny Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. NetherRealm Studios. Uh, Insomniac. Activision for making one of the first kid-friendly skateboard games mm-hmm. in history. Um, I think it's Turn 10 Studios who ever made uh, uh, Forza Motorsport. You know, all these studios are starting to get accessibility. Right. And EA, although I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this, shout out to EA for stepping up your game. Exactly. They only I only know that they do this with The Sims. As for their other games, don't hold me accountable because EA owns several subsidiary companies. So please don't mm-hmm. go shouting hate at me and blind for endorsing EA. Because let's be honest, y'all, EA is a bunch of crooks. It's really Maxis, their sub developer that that puts all the mm-hmm. effort in. Oh yeah, it's the <laughs> sub developers that do the work. But you know. I mean, come on. The point is here, they give a damn about accessibility. The developers I named care about accessibility. A respawn's another one with Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Granted, I've not played Survivor yet, but I've heard it's it's improved. I think Rare didn't Rare Entertainment have some good titles back in the day that were accessible? Yeah, but now they're owned by Microsoft. So But they're coming yeah, but Nintendo they're they're still making some good stuff though. Oh yeah, but and then uh, you know all these but and, and to all these younger developers, you know all these development studios. I know over border over border games. Indie uh, developers, you know they need the love right now. Yep, that studio over border has only seven people. That would be an indie then, because if it's, I think the rule of thumb is if it has less than a hundred, it's considered an indie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, all these indie developers, you know, if you're going to buy a chance to listen to this or watch this, um, I would say maybe take some of the ideas we've talked about mm-hmm. and look into ways to implement them. Because, again, Souls Lights and Souls Lights can be made accessible. All these video games can be made accessible. Exactly. It's just a matter of, again, educating developers and. And that's the point of tonight's podcast. Yeah. I wanted to, along with Kyra, spread some awareness about accessibility, how important it is, why it's important, and how these games can be made accessible. Exactly, because t- because Blind in particular and I both grew up playing games that frustrated the heck out of us for different reasons. Blind for disability-wise, me for skill-wise, but, you know, we both had our struggles with games. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, the point... You know, here being it's 2023, it can be done. It needs to be done. And it really does. To be standards across the board for Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, and PC. I mean, we're getting there because Microsoft in particular, I know for a fact, is innovated to where people with physical disabilities can play their games using just a controller alone. So, you know, if big corporations like Microsoft can pull that off, mm-hmm. then other then other companies can make it to where we can play those games. And then you got on the Sony side, you have their accessible controller coming out. Yeah. So that's coming, and which is cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's a whole new world out there. But the sad reality is we are in a society where unless you have a mental or hearing disorder... I mean, disability, I mean, you, you just, you don't, you're stigmatized and you don't get the support you need in any media, media. The biggest thing we have right now are subtitles and diverse characters, and that's great, but we need more. Yeah, there needs to be more done. And, you know, and if, to all these indie developers, if you need to look at, you know, the big uh, studios like Insomniac, Naughty mm-hmm. Dog, the games that I meant, you know, spot, the, the games I mentioned. Mm-hmm. 
look at those games for accessibility inspiration. And look the other thing is, they do. It can is, help. And the other thing is, don't be afraid to reach out to somebody who works with somebody with disabilities or has a disability right. for a consulting position. Obviously, not everyone who's disabled is going to be able to help you like we had a near argument with over over earlier but guess what that doesn't mean that people with disabilities can't help because not all no one with not every no one has the same disability the exact same way i mean to, right i mean autism is a huge example with this you met one person with a disability you met one person with a disability you haven't met the same person with the same disability a mm hundred -hmm. times over no, 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 because it's all unique. It's all each its own thing. Especially like, especially with certain mental disorders as well. Right. Um, and, you know, again, I, I mean, you know, like I said, I've reached, you know, I talked with Overboarder Studios. And I've you sat know, in like, on consulting sessions with... Uh, for for indie developers that 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 want to educate people on uh, making a game accessible. I wish I could remember the name of that developer who hosted that seminar. That it was a small seminar, and they talked about how to make a racing game, racing game accessible to even the simplest of people. I cannot remember the life. I can't remember the life of me who it was, but it was one of the most educating things I ever sat in on. You know, and the point being. You know, and I just, when I was talking to Overboard, I just said, hey, if you need help with accessibility ideas, ask me questions. I mean, Blind is a huge resource. Blind works with the disabled on a daily basis. Yes, I'm not an accessibility consultant. I don't do what Super Blind Man does. But, I mean, if there's any developers out there that have questions for me about how a blind person or a legally blind can play a game, don't hesitate to reach me on Twitter at Blind Metal Gamer. And don't and, and if you need a neuro and if you need a neurodiverse person's person's point of view, my uh, uh, I can't guarantee you I would I would uh, I would always answer. But my my Instagram is public. It is at I am Kyrie Yukina ninety three with a couple of underscores thrown in. Um, we'll have to we'll have to post that sometime. Um, I as long as you don't weird me out, I'd be willing to answer your questions because I have a plethora of neuro. Of neurodiversities, I can probably answer some of your questions. Yeah, and, and the same on the visually impaired side. I mean, if these developers have questions about visual impairment, you know, or you know, as Kyra mentioned, I mean, like I said, ask us. You can ask us. We are here to help. Especially, especially me, because I've been in the video game industry. I know a couple of insider things, and we talked about coding quite a bit. I may not be the best programmer. In fact, I'm probably the worst programmer you can talk to, but I know enough about programming that I can tell you it all comes down to manipulating a single line of code at minimum. Mm -hmm. And that is a good start. As long as you're not, and this is where I'm going to veer off a little bit, as long as you're not creating a game-breaking loop, like EA infamously did with the original Sims game where I created a, an infinite game loop that broke the game and I had to restart the game with, it's going to be fine. Right. I mean, so really to kind of summarize things, you know, accessibility is important for sure, and it needs to be implemented in these forms of media. Now, uh, Kyra, do you have any closing thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, my closing thoughts is, like I said, do not be afraid to consult people that work with or are disabled because they can be a huge asset set to people because if you if you start to think like if you start to think in the mindset of a disabled person you're going to get a, you're going to make a lot of progress yes um my closing thoughts would be don't hesitate to reach out and ask so if, if again if there's any game developers big or small that have questions for either of us just ask us don't don't it's be afraid to not ask because you know we might have some ideas and uh ways of doing things that might that you might say hey okay blind metal gamer he goes by sound or he needs a screen reader or to, kyra goes by mods and and needs cheats to function right or you know blind metal gamer might need navigational assistance or color you know color altering things colorblind assist that was the right term used color blind assist right but today they've got it where you can alter the colors of like your enemies your you're... Oh, absolutely. It's a whole new world out there. Oh, yeah. Like, once again, 
if it weren't for mods, I probably wouldn't know half mm -hmm. the stuff I know. Like the Sims 2 we mentioned earlier, the testing cheats in that game opened a world of opportunities for so many different types of players to play. The, granted, that also re led to a lot of game corruption on your PC, but you know, I mean, it was a it was a coding diverse game. We didn't know what we were doing. The developers didn't know what they were doing. Nope. So to to kind of summarize and, and close up a uh, shop on this topic, mm -hmm. accessibility needs to be met put at the front and center of video game development. I Not just video game development, everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. And you know these game developers. And Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, I think that what the three big companies need to do is incorporate accessibility as part of their release standards. Mm -hmm. You know, have it where the games have to have X amount of accessibility features and see if it meets the checklist for these features. And really quickly, I would like to give a shout out to Ubisoft. They have, they're the bomb at accessibility. They're real good. Um, you know, they're awesome. So, yeah. but anyway, in closing, uh, I want to thank everyone for watching or listening to this podcast when it drops on YouTube and other platforms such as Spotify, CastBox, Overcast, TuneIn Radio, etc. And until next time, Kyra, would you like to let everyone know what they're going to get in October? It's Halloween time, y'all. So we're going to be talking about trick-or-treating, Halloween candy, Halloween experiences, the whole shebang. Yeah, Your girl, boy. Kyra, you'll learn about the you learn you will learn very quickly Halloween wasn't always the best for me because having trick-or-treating with a food allergy it ain't fun and you'll learn from blind metal gamer having to go to school on Halloween night and have other uh, academic related things uh, burdening you it wasn't fun either but that's those <laughs> another tales for another time until yes. next time for Cairo Super Saiyan I have been your host blind metal gamer saying uh, so long, everyone. And this has been Kyra Super Saiyan. Stay out. golden, y'all. And peace out. Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of the Blindside Podcast. You can find the Blindside Podcast on a plethora of platforms, including Spotify, YouTube, Pocket Cast, CastBox, Tuning Radio, and much more. Be sure to follow on Spotify so you will not miss a single episode.